morning, everyone. Well, a very wise man once said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. But someone even wiser said, oh, come on, man. Get with the times. The chocolate industry solved that problem years ago. In like 2005, they started printing these little pictures and descriptions of the chocolate on the lid of the box so that you can know exactly what you're going to get. And it's true. Boxes of chocolates are no longer a mystery. No one has to eat the ones with the nasty orange cream in it accidentally anymore if they don't want to. But life, on the other hand, still can feel very much like a mystery, can't it? Life comes with a full assortment of joy and sorrow, opportunities and problems, and uh, even tomorrow, none of us knows what we're going to get. But the good news is that God is committed absolutely to helping us navigate through all of life's twists and turns. And not only that, but God is in the perfect position to do such a thing. When God created the universe, he established this world as a fixed system that operates under certain rules and laws and principles that govern the way that life works. And as a result of this system, there's ways of living life on earth that will ultimately succeed and ways of living life on earth that will ultimately fail. And since God himself is the designer and architect of all of it, then it makes perfect sense that he is the only one who is truly qualified to guide us through it. And that is why when God speaks, it only makes sense for us to listen. It's the most reasonable thing that we can do. Well, the Bible teaches that in and through the life of Jesus, that God has spoken. Jesus teaching reveals to us not only the system of life that God has established, but how you and I can live lives that flourish within the boundaries of that system and lives that will bring to us the kind of meaning and freedom and relationship that all of us long for and that all of us are designed for. And that's what this passage that we're going to look at this morning really is about. It's about how when we adopt and hold closely to the teachings of Jesus, our entire lives and everything about us flourishes as a result. And to illustrate this, Jesus uses an analogy. He uses the analogy of light. And so what I want to do just for a few minutes this morning is I want to break this analogy apart into two pieces. What Jesus' general idea is and then how he applies it to us. So if you look in verse 33, Jesus says these words, No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Jesus is basically saying here, It doesn't make sense to have a light that you don't use. When you come in at night and and, and arrive home into a a dark house, you don't uh, walk into the living room and turn on the lights in the basement instead, right? You, You use the lights of the room that you're in. If you're out taking a hike and and it begins to get dark and you pull out a flashlight, you don't put the flashlight 
in your backpack afterwards. You use it to light the way. Light is meant to be put to use, Jesus is saying. It's, it's to be employed as a resource that protects us from the dark and enables us to live productive lives. And so he says, if you have a light in front of you, don't cast it behind you. He says, on the contrary, you should take that light and put it on the most prominent place you can, on on a stand so that everyone can benefit from its brilliance. And likewise, in order to make use of that light, healthy eyes, he says, are required. Look at verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. A few weeks ago, my uh, two-year-old daughter, I was tickling her, and she poked me in the eye, and uh, it sliced my cornea. And interestingly, when I was eight years old, I was tickling my two-year-old sister at the time, and she sliced my cornea too. (laughs) So if I ever have a granddaughter who's two years old, I'm not going to tickle her. But anyway, when I was eight, I um, went into the doctor and, and um, they told me that the good news was that fortunately the cornea is the fastest healing part of the body. And so they gave me some drops and they put an eye patch on my eye, which as an eight-year-old I was so happy about. <laughs> and everything ended up being just fine. But for a few days at that time, thanks to the patch, uh, one of my eyes was dark. And when Jesus says that the eye is the lamp of the body, what he means is that it's through our eyes that light shines in. We can't perceive light with any other one of our senses. And and when our eye is healthy, he says, our whole body is filled with the light that we receive from it. Uh, In many ways, this is scientifically true. Uh, Scientists say that because sight is so complicated and complex and because we rely on our eyesight for so much of the information that we receive in the world, that that the act of seeing requires incredible amounts of our brain power. Some researchers think that a full 90% of the information that our brain receives enters through the eyes. It's visual information. 40% of all the nerve fibers that are connected to our brains are are linked to our retina. And there are more neurons in our bodies that are dedicated to vision than to all other four senses combined. The eye truly is the lamp of the body. And so if your eyes are healthy, then your whole body is filled with light. But if your eyes are bad, then that light is extinguished and your whole body is full of darkness. And therefore, Jesus says in in verse 35, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So then the basic point here that Jesus is trying to make is that having a body that's full of light requires being careful to keep that light in front of you where you can make use of it, but also making sure that to the best of your ability, your eyes are healthy enough to absorb 
that light. And when those two things are working together in harmony, then your life will be wholly bright. And, and that's the basic idea. That's the basic principle that Jesus starts out with. But what is the analogy that he's trying to make? How does he apply this to you and me? Well, it would seem that the teachings of Jesus, his uh, wisdom and instruction and guidance, particularly in the message of the gospel, are like light. And that rather than taking his teaching and squirreling it away into the recesses of our lives, delegating it to life's dusty bookshelves and basements and, and back burners, we are to keep the light of Jesus' counsel front and center every day with every breath. Jesus' teaching is meant to be such a priority to our hearts and our minds that, that it's like light coming into our eyes. We just receive it. We desire it. We constantly want it to be in front of us. No one, after putting a lamp, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Jesus' teaching, this says, are like that. It's meant to be put to good use every day. And not only that, but, but it requires a good pair of eyes to receive it. Good eyes, he says, let the light in so that the whole body can benefit. But bad eyes, shut the light out so that the whole body lives in darkness. And, and having good eyes here means being receptive and responsive to the teachings of Jesus. Well, having bad eyes means dismissing it, diminishing it. And so the question that Jesus is asking to the people who actually were physically there and heard his words, and the question that he asks to you and me who read these words today is this, is, is your life, in, in your life, are you keeping Jesus' light on a stand or in a closet? Is Jesus' light, is his teaching, is his help front and center in your life or, or as you, have you relegated it to the basement? And are your eyes open and receptive or are they closed and indifferent? And this is very important for two reasons. One, a benefit potentially for us and, and the other, Jesus points out, is kind of a warning. There's a warning here. Look again at verse 35. Jesus says, therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. I think this is a very intriguing and also ominous statement. And what it tells us is that if you put Jesus' teaching away from you, either by hiding it under a basket or putting it in the cellar or, or simply closing your eyes to it, you may still feel like you're living in light, but it will actually be darkness. In other words, the darkness that you are living in may not be discernible to you as darkness. It may feel like light. And, and I would harbor a, a guess that every one of us have experienced that to some degree or another in life when, when there's something that we know is wrong that feels like it's right. 
when our, our own sensibilities about a certain thing seem to hold more weight to us than, than the sensibilities that, that God has told us, prescribed for us in his word. When those things that God says sometimes feel to us out of fashion or unrealistic to us or too confining, or to put it bluntly, those times when we just don't feel, frankly, like listening or obeying. Uh, sometimes like a deep sea diver who's lost his bearings underwater, we can get all turned around and, and lose track of which direction it is exactly that, that, that leads us to the surface. And that is why Jesus is so gracious in giving us his word to, to point us in the right direction. There's such a temptation in life to want to live by the light of our own reasoning and judgment and counsel. And we imagine this absolutely as as freedom itself. The right to do whatever it is that we want to do, to to do whatever our hearts or, or our minds or our dreams whisper to us. But I want you to imagine for just a moment a fish that's swimming in the ocean. And he's a fish that's tired. He's been swimming. It's been a long, long time for him. And he looks up and he sees this bird just soaring overhead. Beautiful bird just gliding effortlessly. And and the fish thinks to himself, oh, wow. Wouldn't it be great to be free like that bird, not stuck here in the water? just being able to fly wherever I wanted to go like that. Now, that's a reasonable thing for a fish to think, but there's two very obvious problems with this scenario. The first is that fish are born with fins, not with wings. And the second problem is that fish are born with gills, not with lungs. And so if you take a fish and you throw it really, really high into the air... That, for that fish, is not freedom at all. It's, it's certain death. And the reason, of course, is, is that fish are designed for water, not for air. And, and true freedom for that fish means learning to spend its life doing those things in which fish were made to do, not trying to do those things through which birds are made to do. That uh, fish, part of... The, the freedom for that fish is learning to be content within the framework of how he was designed within those limits. And, and the Bible teaches that the same thing is true for you and I. True freedom for you and me and lasting joy is not found in the ability to do whatever it is that we like. True freedom is found in living the life that we were designed to live inside the world that God has established for us and for our good and flourishing. And Jesus' teaching shows us how to live effectively within that design. It's not meant to restrict us. It's not meant to hinder us from something good. 
It's meant to protect us and to enable us to live free and meaningful and joyful lives and through the power of the gospel to help us to navigate the sin and and pain and hurt that we encounter not only in other people but in, in our own hearts as well. Jesus' teaching is is meant to be like a light that illuminates for us those dark crevices in life and that points us ultimately to his complete work on our behalf on the cross. And so I want to ask you this question. Are you placing those things on a stand in your life? Do those things have priority to you? Are your eyes open and receptive and desirous to hear from Jesus? To have him point the way for you? To believe and trust that as the designer of life itself, as the one who knows perfectly not only your past and your present and your future, but everything about you to the deepest depths of your soul, do you trust him? Verse 36 says, if so, if you do, then your whole body is full of light. Having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. That's what this passage means this morning. I'm going to invite Joe and the team to come up and lead us uh, in a song. This is one of my favorite new songs that uh, we've been learning over the course of of the last few months. It's called Build My Life. And what I'd love to do is just use this as as kind of a responsive prayer to this passage as we sing and, and reflect on the lyrics. The bridge of the song goes like this. It says, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. And that's exactly what this passage invites us to do, to build our lives on the firm foundation of Jesus. Why don't you stand and we'll sing.